players never live to the, uh, what their career could have been. How many people move to New York City and leave a couple months afterwards? I just can't take the city. Or tourists who show up and say, I could never live in this city. Well, okay, if you can't, move away. That's fine. But also we could turn to something, we look at that, those are kind of humorous examples. But we could look at more serious things like relationships. Even in marriage today, what is supposed to be a a binding contract, what is supposed to be something for life, many, the longevity of marriage today is gone. Or how many Christians come to church for a while? They come and they live, they say, I want to live for the Lord, but after a couple months, maybe a couple years, they leave. Because they feel unable to live the Christian life. Even Paul. Paul the Apostle talked about it in the book of 1 Corinthians. How he kept under his body and brought it into subjection lest he himself should be a castaway. Paul himself, as he was looking at living his life for God, he kept talking about how he was trying to press forward um, for the mark and trying to achieve all that God had for him. He didn't want to stop. Halfway, finally in the book of 2 Timothy, he wrote, I have fought the fight. I have, I have kept the course. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And about how he was reaching the end of his time and he had lived his life since he had been saved for God. I don't think anyone in this room, anyone who says that they are a Christian, desires to be what we would call a statistic. Someone who has stopped coming to church. I know at Bible college they mentioned preachers would come to chapel and say, talk about how many people who've gone to Bible college who never finished Bible college or who went to Bible college and weren't in church anymore. I don't think anyone wants to quit the Christian life. But we all know people who have. We all know people who are no longer in church today. But the sad fact is, God has given... It's not sad what God has given, but it's sad that people no longer are Christians because God has already given us everything we need to live the Christian life. God has given us this church. He's given us His Word. He's given us, if we are saved, the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us so that we truly do have everything that we need to live the Christian's life. Our life for Christ should not be like that young pitcher who throws too hard and his arm wears out two seasons into it. Because there's a major difference. We're not living in our strength. It's not about how, how well we can live the Christian life. The Christian life is about living the way God has for us. Living in God's strength. Our strength doesn't come from ourself. It comes from God. And book of Joshua is God is moving Israel into the land. And God doesn't want Israel just to stay in the land for a couple weeks. He doesn't want them just to enjoy the blessings of victory for a couple months or even a couple years. God wants Israel to be able to enjoy the blessings that God had given them 
for generations to come. He wants them to be a light to the world around them so they can see who God is, so they can see the relationship that God has with His people and that God is real. God wants Israel in the land of Canaan at this time in history to be uh, communicate who He is to the world. To do that, they're going to need to be there for generations. They're going to need to continue to serve, to serve God. And God wants that for Israel. Up to this point, God has given victory after victory, just like He had promised. Though they had crossed the Jordan River, and we've, been, we've gone through all this. The land is now divided. The people are moving on to the land that God has given them. But there's just a couple things left to take care of. First, God commands Joshua to appoint cities of refuge in the land. Well, what is a city of refuge? What does that have to do with me? Well, just a little bit about what the city of refuge is from this passage, from other parts in the um, back in the um, first five books of the Bible where God spoke to Moses about this before they were in the land. Is these cities were special cities that were set aside for someone who is guilty of what we would term today manslaughter. It was someone who, as they were going about their ordinary work. As one example given in the Bible was somebody who was chopping down a tree. And as they were chopping down the tree, the axe head falls off and it kills somebody. That's dangerous work, chopping down trees. Just as he broke the axe or whatever happened, he's doing it. There's an accident in the woods. There's an accident as he's just going about his daily life and he accidentally kills his neighbor. Now, is he guilty of murder? Is that murder? No, that was an accident. But So God set up a specific thing, someone who had unwillingly, with, um, unwittingly, that means without knowledge, without premeditation, without trying to inflict harm on anyone, seeing what he could do um, to, uh, to hurt someone or someone who, um, the Bible also specifies here that there wasn't hate, there wasn't animosity between them, so it shows that this guy wasn't looking for opportunities to hurt somebody else. and But there was an accident. There was a mistake. Something happened. And their neighbor, their, their, um, even their family member, something, was killed. The Bible, God had set up in the land that they were to flee as quickly. They weren't to go to their house. They weren't to grab anything. They were to take off immediately for the city of refuge. And it was that city, there were six of these cities, were to be places of protection for the innocent. All right? So the, um, the person who had committed this accident, there was a, a terrible accident, and he sees what happens. He's like, oh boy, this is not what I intended to happen. This, this is terrible. He takes off immediately and begins going as fast as he can to the city of refuge. And he comes before the elders of the city. And he proclaims his case and says, listen, I, there was an accident. I, it was not murder. And he explains his case to the elders of the city. And they bring him in to the city for protection. That he would be safe from the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation, is what the Bible said. Well, what is standing before the congregation? That would be his trial. There would be a time where he would have to answer for himself, where they would determine, was this with forethought or was this a simply an accident? Well, why did he have to run from the avenger of blood? Who is this avenger of blood? That sounds kind of creepy. 
if you, if you think about it. What is this avenger of blood? Okay, number one, it wasn't some vigilante group that went around and hunted people down. The best we can tell is the same word is used of a kinsman redeemer. Something like Boaz in the story of Ruth. But also what it would be would be the nearest kinsman who would take care. He was taking care of his family. He was there. The person was killed. And it was his responsibility not to just go and find this person and just take him out because he killed my family member. No, it was his responsibility to make sure justice was served. Because what God wanted, what God, if you read the different passages, God's goal here was that there would not be innocent blood in the land. That if the person who committed the accident was guilty of murder, that he would be judged for that murder. That he would, because the Bible commands, if man sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. That if someone is guilty of murder under the law, he was to lose his life. He was to... Um, the um, capital punishment was to be put on him. And the avenger of blood was the family member who was responsible for making sure that happened. He was to make sure justice was served. But sometimes that person would be, the Bible says, while his blood is hot within him, while he's angry, his family member has died, the person who had committed the act, if there was an accident, Wait a second. Wow, this is terrible. The tree fell over. and Get out of there. Go to the city of refuge. And then you'll stand trial. And if you're innocent, what the Bible had set up was that that person would dwell in the city until the high priest died. Why the high priest... Why to the high priest died? Many people have given many explanations as to why... That happened. Why it was the high priest died? It was the end of that um, time of judging, so all crimes were wiped out. We don't really find that in the Bible. That's just what God said. He was to stay there. You know what it simply was? It was a time to let the, f- the hard feelings simmer down. It was a time so they weren't walking every day and seeing that person who was responsible for their family member's death. They were away for a time until the high priest died. And then they were able to move back. And that way, if they were not guilty of the death, of murder in that, there would be no more bloodshed. But he wouldn't, if he was guilty of murder, he wouldn't be dwelling in that city. Because the Bible commanded the elders, no, if that person is guilty of murder, they are to pay the price for their crimes. Basically, I was thinking about this. There was to be no, in in an American... Um, Western lore, there was to be no Hatfields and McCoys. We might say there wasn't to be the family feuds of you got, you got my brother, I'm going to get you now. If there was any accidents or anything that was going on, you know what? There isn't, there isn't a need for that. There's going to be justice served. But if there was a crime, that person would pay and God was giving Israel a correct way to deal with very sensitive issues. With uh, problems, there was. It wasn't like this person, that nothing had happened. Oh, no big deal. Nothing has happened. No. This was very serious. Someone had died in it. And they wanted, God wanted to make sure that it was judged. That there was proper justice and there was proper law of, um, 
being communicated there, that there was proper people were following the law of God. And that was a city of refuge. And then God, um, then chapter 21 is about the city, about the Levite city. The Levites come to Joshua and they request their inheritance. There's these two things. Now, one thing that's important to know is six, the, all six of the cities that were cities of refuge were Levite cities. There were cities that in chapter 21, as we read about how it, Levi came and requested their inheritance, each of the ref, cities of refuge were cities that were um, inhabited by the Levites. These 48 cities that the Bible records and their suburbs that the Bible talks about in Deuteronomy was so far out in front of the city that was to be land for their cattle was for the Levites to dwell in. You see, the tribe of Levi... If you just hang with me, we're going to go through, go through the passages and try to um, give some application to it. But the tribe of Levi didn't receive lands. They didn't receive um, fields of land that they could farm and raise crops for their families and take care of their families. Because the tribe of Levi was, the Bible talked about when, last week when we covered um, Joshua chapter 13 through chapter 19 about the inheritance. Four times... God specifically records how Levi did not receive any inheritance, but that God was their inheritance, and how that the tribe of Levi would not receive any lands, but would what they would live off, how they would take care of their families, was the sacrifices at the tabernacle. Even the ones that weren't necessarily priests serving in the tabernacle, there were those who helped guard the tabernacle, helped move things, helped communicate God's word. And God was to be their inheritance. Their, um, how they took care of their families was through the, ta- through the tabernacle, through the sacrifices that the other tribes brought. God had set it up that these people, the tribe of Levi, were to enjoy that. Now, an interesting thing that I found as I studied, there was 48 cities scattered. The reason why we read that is that you notice all the tribes of Israel were mentioned. How it was scattered. These cities were scattered throughout all the tribes of Israel. In fact, um, several people looked at the, where the towns were, etc. And calculated that no matter where you were in the land of Israel, you were no more than 10 miles From one of these cities of the Levites. Not necessarily one of the cities of refuge. But from the city of Levites. One of the city of Levites. See another one of the Levites responsibilities. Was to teach the law of God. They were to be in the law of God. And help all of Israel. Come to know the law of God. And God had set it up. In the land of Israel. So that everyone had access to someone who had studied the Word of God, someone who knew the Word of God, and could come and ask questions of them. They could come and learn what God would have to say on any specific matter in, the, in their daily life. Because all the, all the men of the tri- tribes of Israel, all the men of Israel, were to gather together three times at the tabernacle to hear the Word of God three times a year. But... Throughout the year, as they lived their daily lives, as they encountered daily struggles, 
If they needed to hear from God, if there was, wait a second, what's going on here? There was a city of the Levites, no more, at maximum, ten miles away. Half a day's journey away, if they were walking quickly, they could go there, ask their question, come back even the same day, learn what God had to say. The Levites in the land were to be guides, spiritual guides, and the spiritual leadership of the people, they were to help the people know, this is what God wants you to do. This is how you're supposed to live your day. And simply, that concludes the division of the land. That's how the land was divided to each of the tribes. Then God says, make sure you set up these cities of refuge. Make sure the Levites have their city. And then we get to the end of Joshua chapter 21, verse number 23, and it says, And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he had sware unto their fathers, and there stood not a man of all their enemies before them, and the Lord delivered their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. The conclusion of the division of the land of Israel coming into the inheritance that God had promised them was God kept every promise God was completely faithful to give them everything that He had promised them. He had given them all the land to possess. He had given them rest throughout their land. There was no enemies. As each battle they had fought, God had delivered their enemies into their hands, just like He had promised. Each um, city they came to, as they fought against it and followed the Lord, the Lord delivered it, gave it to them. Gave them each and every victory. In fact, the Bible says there failed not aught of any good thing. Which the Lord said. God was faithful to them. God was good to them. God gave them everything He promised. But why at the end of this would God record these, about these cities of refuge? What about the city of Levites? Why was that so important? Now, it's important that the Levites got their land, got their cities that they could live in. That's important. There's important that these, that these cities of refuge were there. But why would God make such a big deal about it? It's simply God, in His goodness, as He was providing and finishing everything that He had promised them, was giving Israel everything that they needed to live in the land. They were giving them everything they needed to live obediently to God in His blessings. It's because God didn't want Israel just to live in the land for a couple years. He didn't want them just to barely make it by. He wanted them to be able to enjoy the land. He wanted them to be able to follow Him in obedience through generation through generation, and that's why it was so important that these cities were in the land. God had given them a good land. A land flowing with milk and honey to provide for their families. Basically, that was Joshua chapter 13 through 19. He had provided for their physical needs. In Joshua chapter 20, God had given them cities of refuge, so despite accidents, so despite 
despite mistakes that would sometimes happen in day-to-day living, they could deal with the problems and live in peace. Basically, God had provided for their civil needs. He was taking care of making sure justice was happening in the land. That they could have the ability to deal with the, the legal problems in the land. And then in Joshua chapter 22, God had given the Levites cities throughout all the land of Israel. So that they had the daily spiritual leadership that they needed. God had provided for their spiritual needs. God had provided for their physical, their civil, and their spiritual needs. And the purpose, purpose of these cities was to help Israel deal with the daily problems of life and live in obedience to God. Okay, great. But what does a bunch of cities, a bunch of names in the Bible have to do with me in 2017? Is, that, is there this city of refuge that I run into if I've made a mistake? Or if, I, if I've done something unwittingly? Or um, accidentally killed somebody? Well, there's courts in our land today that take care of that. And that's not exactly why we're here tonight. What are the spiritual things, that we, lessons that we need to learn from this city, from these chapters? Looking at it, some people talk about how the cities of refuge are a symbol of Christ and how we run into Christ. Well, that's all very true. That Christ alone is our refuge and that we need to seek salvation only in Him. But the cities of refuge were for people who were innocent of murder, who had committed accidents. was who the cities of refuge were for. They, If you... When you need to be saved, it's because you are guilty of sin. In fact, you are guilty of death and you need Jesus Christ's blood to save you from your sin. That's not what the city of refuge was about. You know what? It's simply that God had given Israel a way to justly deal with the mistakes that happen with human error. People with people equal problems. People by themselves equal problems. And you know what? There was just some simple things that they had to do that would help um, relieve the tensions, that would take care of the problem. First, they had to admit the wrong was done. Someone would not come running up to a city of refuge, panting, saying, I, I hope I'm in time. I just need a drink of water. Do you have, the, do you have a map for me? I'm, I'm lost. No, if someone suddenly left their hometown and took off for the city of refuge, everybody in that town knew there was a problem. Everybody in the town knew that that person who had taken off was the center of the problem. You know the biggest problems in life, in our lives, happen when we don't admit that there's a problem? When, we, when we're trying to live our lives and we say, you know what, that really isn't that big of a deal. We can just hide that and pretend it was just an accident. I didn't mean to really do that. I didn't re- mean to really say that. And we just hide it, try to cover it up. You know what, that leads to tension. That leads to um, conflict. And we just simply, when there's a problem, when we as humans... Make mistakes that sin 
We say, wait a second, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't realize what was going on here. The first step is, if you want to make that right, is just admitting that there is wrong. And allowing the problem to be settled God's way. Allowing God to settle the problem in His time. And dealing with the consequences. That person who um, had committed that, their, that accident was their fault and they showed up and they said, there's an accident, they wouldn't get to go home. If they left the city before the high priest died, it could cost them their life. The, the avenger of blood could, if they went back home before the, before the high priest died, had legal right to kill them. Is what the Bible says. They had to deal with the consequences of their mistake. Of, their, of the accident that was their fault. When there's problems in our life, when we sin, we have to deal with it. We have to allow God to work, work it out and deal with the consequences of our sin. And God has also given us a way to be constantly challenged with His Word. And today, we don't have cities of Levites scattered around. I'm not trying to spiritualize this. I'm not trying to make it something that it's not. But the church is God's ordained method for today to communicate God's Word. To be the lighthouse in the world that we live to provide the spiritual leadership for lives. God has ordained the preaching of His Word to help people live as they go through daily through their lives, meeting daily struggles... God has given a church that is in your area where the pastor deals with the same traffic, the same culture that you deal with to, to um, help you move forward and live the, daily, um, live the way God wants you to live daily life. Basically, God has given us the same as He, he gave Israel. Is, he wanted Israel to be able to live in the land His way. For generations to come. To enjoy the blessings of God. And He gave them everything that they needed physically and spiritually to live for God. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1.3, 1, we were in counseling, um, counseling class in, in um, grad school and in regular class. Brother Jet just drilled this verse into us according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How? How do we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness? Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. As we know God, we have everything that we need to live for God. God wants us to live lives that glorify Him. God doesn't want us to be short-term Christians. He wants us to have the longevity to live for Him. Have you ever been able to find what you need to finish a job? Over at Union, we are always looking for the tape measures. We're always looking for some um, tool that we need. Where is that? And we begin digging through. And the more we frantically search, the more we are unable to find that one tool that we need so desperately to move forward. But in the Christian life, as we seek to live for God, it's not that we cannot find what we need. It's that 
we forget to use what God has already given us if we are going to move forward. We forget to use the Word, the Bible that God has already given us. We forget to use the church that God has already given us to give us the spiritual leadership we need to face that struggle. We forget as we, as humans, simply make mistakes, we mess up and someone else gets hurt. We, as we move forward through life, I didn't mean for that to happen, but it just happened. And we forget how God has set up for us to deal with that problem so that, the, so that there isn't the um, con, a contention that could be there. God has given us everything we need. But how often do we forget to use it? How, it isn't that we can't find it. God has already provided it. God has already given it. In a wonderful, good God that He is there, we could say there failed not any aught of any good thing which the Lord had said, had Lord had spoken. God always keeps His promises. God is, God is good. God has given us everything we need to live the Christian life. We just simply have to use it. We simply have to move forward. You know, in, when we get to the book of Judges... The Levites weren't teaching the people the way they should be. That the people weren't dealing with their problems the way they should. People began to seek other gods. And there wasn't the longevity in the land that there could have been. Israel was eventually removed from the land. There was the constant... um, Oppression, and then they would repent and things would get better. But there was never the time where, the, just where they were able to continually and continually enjoy the blessings of God and serve God and live for God. It wasn't because God hadn't given them everything they needed. It's because they didn't use what God had already given them. And we just simply need, we have everything God has given us, everything that we need, and if we're going to live for Him, We simply have to use what God has given us. That's it. God God has provided the spiritual leadership that we need. God has provided us with the physical things that He'll take care of us. If you were here for the family fun night, Pastor talked about that. It was a blessing out of the Sermon on the Mount. But God has given us what we need. We just simply must use it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come before you. I just pray that um, the message would be clear tonight, Lord, that it, it would be your truth from your word. And I just ask you to work in hearts tonight and that we would just trust you and use what you've already given us to live for you each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. And we'll just take a moment. If you need to pray there in your seats, if you need to come forward, we'll do that.